to another episode of Sensational Customer Experiences. This is the show where we explore the idea that everything your customer knows about you is a direct result of input from their five senses. It's what they see, hear, taste, smell, and touch that determines how much they love you. And now here's your host and consumer experience expert, Wes Miller. Ring, ring, goes your telephone. And how many of you are not wanting to answer the phone because you just can't stand one more telemarketing call? You just can't stand one more political survey calling you? That's the topic of today's show. As a special guest, I've invited Heidi Kaufman to join us. And she is an expert because she runs one of those call centers. But I've asked her to join us today because she's going to give us some great insight to how telemarketing calls, or let's just say telephone calls, period, can really be an engaging way to connect with your customers. Rather than turning them off, it can be a way to make them feel more engaged to your business and what it is you do. So Heidi, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I've been real excited about having you because of this topic, one that I know people just can't stand getting all these robocalls that just seem to, recently we had our elections here. And it was just every call was survey this and survey that and who you voting for. And and then if it's not that, it's someone calling to survey you on your experience with the business or something to the fact. Tell me, what are your thoughts when you get those calls? Well, robocalls in the United States are illegal, except for the um, political calls and charity calls. They have the right to make robocalls. Aside from that, um, companies that are calling you are actually breaking the law, the Federal Trade Commission guidelines, by creating robocalls to you. They're very impersonal, and they don't have that human interaction that a live phone call does. Our company, we do um, live phone calls for retailers who want to reach out to their customers and let them know about an upcoming event. Either their store staff don't make the phone calls now, they just don't have the time, they're busy with customers in the store, or it's just not something in their wheelhouse that they feel comfortable doing. So they hire our company to make those calls. However, the Federal Trade Commission determines that someone is considered to be your customer as a retailer if they've made a purchase within 6, 12, or 18 months. Every state is different. So we make sure that we adhere to the Federal Trade Commission guidelines. We have someone in our company that actually checks all 50 states every single day to make sure nothing has changed. And that way, when we give advice to a retailer to say, listen, you know, you've been in business for 10 years and you want to call your top customers, you can go back if you're in the state of Texas 12 months or Pennsylvania 12 months, if you're in Louisiana, six months, if you're in North Carolina, 18 months. So we give them what is considered a correct established guideline according to the Federal Trade Commission so that there's no fear that someone is going to report them. The retailers that are calling their customers, if the customer is on what they call You had mentioned nobody likes to get phone calls, especially during dinner or what have you. You can register as a consumer. You can register your phone number on the National Do Not Call Registry. It will not stop customer calls from, like you said, from political campaign calls. It will not stop calls from charities. And it won't stop calls from uh, retailers that you've done business with. They have the right to call you if you've made a purchase within a certain amount of time. 
what I hear you saying is, is that you're not calling as a telemarketer, but rather you're calling as the official agent of a retail or company that I've done business with. Anywhere that you as a consumer have bought something or made a purchase and you want to, you've either indicated that you implicitly um, would like to hear from them, or if you've made a purchase, that retailer has the right to contact you to let you know um, whether or not they've got a sale coming up, if there's going to be a clearance, if they're going to have a VIP event with a um, with a special guest, and they want to know if you would be interested in coming before they open it up to the public. I, as the customer, would be glad to hear from you yes. because you're going to be telling me about a benefit that I'm interested in because the store or the business that Absolutely. you're calling for. Yes. Can you give me an example of, of what one kind of calls might be? Or? Sure, yeah. We do a lot for the jewelry industry. An example would be, hi, Wes, this is Heidi calling from ABC Fine Jewelry. I'm calling about an upcoming event. Have I caught you at a bad time? And one of the things that we recommend is, you know, a lot of our retailers will say, well, we don't want that. We want, you know, it's now a good time, but we're all very busy in our life and it's never really ever a good time. And human nature dictates that, People don't want to put other people in an uncomfortable position or make them feel bad. So when we ask them, caught you at a bad time, they'll usually say, well, I'm in the car or I'm running to a meeting, but we've already set them on the offense that we're not calling to close a sale. We're not trying to sell them anything. We're calling about an upcoming event. Have we caught you at a bad time? And I would say about 90% of the time, people will say, no, go ahead. Let me hear about the sale because they're very excited to know that their retailer thought enough to invite them to an upcoming event. We also have, um, we also do a lot of bridal events. So, you know, couples that have bought the engagement ring will call on behalf of the retailer to book um, appointments to sit down with the designers who do the wedding bands so they can choose their wedding band. So the, the next thought then that comes to me is, but, you know, isn't that what advertising on the Internet or you know billboards or the radio, isn't that what that's for? Why phone calls? Sure, yeah. Um, you have to hope that if you have, as a, as a retailer, if you've put up a billboard, you have to make sure that the right people are passing by, your customers are passing by and looking up at that billboard at the time that they are passing it. So they could be driving or on a bus and you have to hope that they're going to look up and see it. And then if they're on their way to another destination, they're going to remember that they saw that billboard. With a live phone call, you have an engaging conversation with a customer between a caller and a customer, and they're able to ask questions and get immediate answers to them. So whether it's, well, what are your hours? Um, you know, there's a piece of jewelry I'm interested in. Do you, do you have any layaway options? Is it going to be up to 50% off? That sort of thing. Whereas with a billboard or a radio ad, it's one-sided. And I'm not knocking those types of marketing because obviously more than one or two touches also helps compound the reminder that it's that retailer and that you need to go in. But quite often we'll make live phone calls to someone and we find out something that you won't ever find from a billboard. One of the stories that sticks in my mind is we called a customer on behalf of the retailer and our target customer was a gentleman and his wife answered. And it was when we had first started making jewelry calls and I was still making calls back then. And I was the one who called her and I asked for her husband explain where I was calling from. And she told me that her husband had passed away the day before yesterday. And after regaining my composure and realizing that this poor woman was grieving, I said to her, you know, I am so sorry to hear that. She had a question. She said to me, 
you know, I have some items that are um, he put away on layaway. Um, what's going to happen to them? And I told her, I said, listen, I'm calling from the marketing department. I'm not in the store, but I will make sure that I get a call out to the owner and I wouldn't worry about that right now. Um, I then hung up the phone with her and I called the store owner immediately to tell her about this. And she thanked me for the information and she, that was the end. She told me she would call the, the client and, and get back to me. So a couple weeks after the sale, I called her to see how the sale went and if we could get some sales data to do our regular return on investment analysis. And she wanted me to know that that customer, it was the husband who always came in for over 30 years. They had never met the wife. He always came in and bought her jewelry. Had we not called and found out that he had passed away, they would never have known what had happened. Fortunately, it was within the time period that the store was able to send flowers to the funeral home in time for the service. So it was um, a really nice opportunity for them to reach out to her. They wouldn't have known that if they'd sent a mailer or done a billboard only. Part of our message at Sensational Customer Experiences is this idea that everything your customer knows about you is a result of input from their five senses. And that story makes it crystal clear why phone calls have a greater sensory impact than say a billboard or a newspaper ad or even an ad that you see on the internet. Mm-hmm. Because it's two-way, there's there's more interaction happening and there can be more depth of engagement with a customer. Right, like I said, that you can get answers um, immediately from, uh, as a consumer, if you have questions, you can have them answer to you. Whereas if it's a Facebook page or it's their website with a pop-up administrator. It might be minutes, even hours before you can get an answer to something. Um, Also, when you have a live conversation with someone, you're calling them by name. Everybody loves their name. Everybody wants to be called by their name. I know that when we have a restaurant in Canada called The Lone Star, and part of their persona is to have a sort of Texas type, you know, my name is Rattler or my name is Cowboy or whatever. And I always tell them, okay, I understand that that's your, that's your job. That's your persona, but what is your real name? Cause your mother gave you that name and that makes you very important. And I'm only going to call you by that name when you're, when I'm at your restaurant. So I know that when we call customers and we ask for them by name, they're very happy that it's that personal touch. It's not a generic phone call. It's interesting you you talk about the name. I do a lot of training, as you know, and one of the introductory activities I do is an activity called Name Story, and I invite all the participants to tell me their name and to give me a 30-second story about their name. And I always tell them it can be true or made up, which makes it easier for people who may not want to tell the real story. But it's been fascinating for me to hear so many of the different stories and people love to hear their name. And then I do an exercise after that where I invite anybody who'd like to give it a try to see if they can remember the names of the other people in the room. And what's amazing, if you do that where people just say their name and I'm from from Las Vegas, typically people don't remember names. It's the story that anchors Exactly, when they hear the story, Many people are able to go around the room and get every single name correct. Mm -hmm. And people love that activity. I'll throw that out there as a side for any of you who might be doing training or meetings with people who don't know each other. Give people the opportunity to introduce themselves with the 30-second name story, and it will have the very impact that Heidi's talking about with customers. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. 
You mentioned Canada. You're from Canada? I am. So does that make a difference in the calls that you make to the United States? I don't think so. We're very close to the, um, I would say 95% of our customers are American and we're very close to um, the United States. We're in Windsor, Ontario, which is a hop, skip and a jump from Detroit, Michigan. We share the Detroit River and all of our calls are made from our facility in Windsor. So I always tell retailers, if you don't think that I have an accent, then you won't think that my callers have an accent because they're all Canadian. I want to throw a fun fact out because I did some work in uh, Detroit. Yeah. Uh, I actually did some consulting work for one of the casinos in Detroit. If I mentioned it, I'm sure you would know it. One of the fun facts that I learned was that Detroit is the only place in the United States where you can stand and look at Canada and you're facing south. Yes. Did you was, know that? Yes. It was a bit, uh, I was not born and raised in Windsor, so I was born and raised just outside of Toronto. And so the river or the lake was always south of us. So when I moved to Windsor, the water was always north of us because we are the most southern portion of the country. And so we look north to the United States. And it took me a while driving around town and people would say, you need to go south on this road or north on this road for me to get my bearing. I was just in Windsor in August mm-hmm. and we ate at a restaurant called the Lumberjack. Does that ring a bell? Do you know yes. So you know the Lumberjack? Yes. So uh, we're going to give you a free plug Lumberjack because I don't know what your thoughts are, but I really enjoyed it. The Did you food, have breakfast there? I had breakfast yes, there. they have a very good breakfast. I yeah. know a lot of people that go there for the breakfast or the lunch. It's actually very close to our old office. We used to go there quite often. We had asked around for a good place because we wanted a, a breakfast. The Lumberjack was highly recommended. Big portions, big food, yes, big right. food. And I would definitely go back there again, enjoy that fact. I'm sure I have some pictures of us standing in front of the Lumberjack. I'll have to post those on the episode page for this episode if you're okay with that yeah Yeah. (laughs) just a fun little uh, experience if you're ever in windsor remember in windsor it's the one place where you're facing north when you look at the united states detroit you're facing south when you're looking at canada and the lumberjack is the place for big food the next question that i have is it sounds like you have a lot of experience in this field can you tell me how did you get all this experience or what what's the story of your business? Oh, it's ironic. Um, so my father started our company about 35 years ago. He was a salesman for, um, back then it was Bell Canada. And then it became um, another company. I think it was Northern Telecom. And he started doing sales and he rose up in the ranks of salesmen. And he had no fear of cold calling. And some of his managers asked him, hey, can you train the other colleagues in sales? So he started teaching. And I actually went to school for environmental science. I love science. And my brother was doing search engine optimization for website companies out west. And he moved back home. He started boosting the ranking of my father's website. And we got a couple of, well, they got a couple of calls from some small businesses in the area that were looking for an inside sales rep or a mobile inside sales rep to do appointment settings. So they agreed to it. I was actually getting divorced and I managed a trucking company with my husband and had previously worked for Harris Bank in Chicago. So I understood risk management. It was post 9-11. And they asked me if I would come work for them, for my brother and my father. And sort of the more administrative duties I took on, the less my father and my brother were doing. So 
Um, we actually picked up our first jewelry retailer five years ago. It was a jeweler in North Carolina who said his staff were not really making the phone call that they said they were. They told him that they were making them, but he had no accountability because they were just ticking off names on a piece of paper. So he wanted to know if we had any sort of software that would mark down or record the phone call. So we looked into it and we were able to set the call display to show his store in North Carolina and not our Canadian phone number. And so as they say, the rest is history. That was five years ago. And since then, we probably do about a million phone calls a year. We've got 90 employees working across all time zones, North America, Puerto Rico, as far as Alaska and Hawaii. And I sort of stumbled upon it because for years when my brother and my father were running the business, they would ask me, do you have any you know, spare time? Would you like to make some phone calls? And I said to them, oh, no, that's out of my comfort zone. I cannot call strangers and let them know about information. And then sort of, you know, started doing the back end administrative part of it. And, um, you know, as they say, the rest is history. Wow, history. So is it still really predominantly a family business? Um, it is. My brother runs our business to business division and um, I oversee my father stepped down last year and I took over as CEO. But my sister-in-law will still make phone calls if we're behind then um, or my mother needs a little pocket money, then she'll come in and make some phone calls. I still use my father for our bilingual French calls because he speaks French fluently. So between all of us, I think we've got about five family members that work there. And then we have 90 other employees. For those of you who know me, you know that after this show is over, I'm going to be figuring out a million calls a year, 90 employees, 365 days a year, 24 hours in a day. I will have all the metrics figured out as to how many calls. Oh, I can person. tell you. <laughs> so you can save me oh, yes. having to do the math. It's approximately, depending on what type of uh, event it is, most of our callers work from 10 to 6, local to that time zone, the retailer. And depending on the length of the script, whether it's an appointment-based script or an open call to action, they'll make anywhere from 200 to 250 calls in an eight-hour shift. So how long does that make each call? Um, usually it's about two minutes. So that's that's kind of nice for customers who want the information about the event, but they don't want to be engaged too long. Absolutely. And, you know, we have dedicated mailboxes set up for each retailer. So when we ask them, have I caught you at a bad time? If they truly are busy and they'll say yes, our callers will tell them, you know, not a problem. If you have call display, which most people do in this day and age, if you have call display, you can call this number back when you're free. It'll go straight to a media center recording. It'll tell you all about our upcoming event. So they're very, oh, thank you. And we see a lot of those calls coming in after the fact. Or if the retailer sends us their post-sales data, because we do free return on investment analysis reports for them, we'll see that the evolution of the sale started with us calling them and now was not a good time. They would call back to the dedicated mailbox. And then we see that they came in to the sale and bought. So it is working for them to be able to call back and listen at their leisure. So there's a lot of metrics that are collected and reported so that the customer, in this case, the retail customer, your customer, can know the impact that your service has had. Absolutely. And we provide a lot of it. We are um, a co-op vendor for Pandora, the the jewelry company in Baltimore. And they request a lot of um, metrics from us on statistics for each campaign, um, as well as the retailers ask for information on how the sale went for their store specifically. 
the other thing I heard you mention was you know doing jewelry and that that started about five years ago. But I know you said that the company's been around a long time. Do you only do jewelry stores or do you make calls for other businesses as well? No, we actually do a lot of different um, a lot of different industries. We do um, in the business to consumer industry. We've done everything from from furniture to vitamins to pet supplies, um, as well as jewelry. We've done things like Vera Bradley and um, that's luggage and apparel. And then on the business to business side, we do appointment setting for businesses who don't have an inside sales rep or it's less expensive for them to use our services in small batches than for them to have someone with an annual salary. So we've done everything from the medical industry to financial sector, as well as we've actually worked as well with um, other jewelers who are looking for appointments for their trade shows. So we will work with other jewelers um, to book appointments at their trade shows. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how would they reach out? You know, this is your chance. Give yourself a plug. For, sure. Give a good plug for TK Enterprises. No problem. So if you're a retailer and you're looking to drive traffic to your store for an upcoming event or sale, and either you want to supplement your existing marketing efforts or your staff just aren't able to make the volume of phone calls that you would like, or you're a business and you're looking to use our services to supplement your current sales department, or if you don't want to hire someone full-time to do inside sales and you're, you can hire our services um, and you can reach us at 877-622-0195. My extension is 303, or you can reach my operations manager, Jason Fennick at extension 345. I'm going to put you a little on the spot. I hope you don't mind. Sure. And that is if I call TK Enterprises, am I going to get trapped in a phone tree or is someone real going to answer the phones? We have an IVR, but it is simply my voice saying you've reached um, TK Enterprises, your retail event marketing specialist. For CEO Heidi Kaufman, dial 303. So it's kind of easy. It's very easy. And you can zero out at any time and get my office assistance done. Oh, perfect. Have you ever noticed that it seems like every phone tree that you dial into always has the same message? Please listen carefully because our numbers have changed. And I'm like, is that like part of the default of the system? And they just never change that. And like everybody's phone tree Whether has Whether it's default. never changed or that's how <laughs> never they changed. off, right? <laughs> but they want to ensure that you're listening carefully. And most people just zero out anyway. Most people you know, most people that I talk to really spend a lot of time, as I've asked about this, they say, all I do is I just start hitting zero. Just start, start hitting zero. So it sounds like if I call you... It's going to be a little more personable, yes. and I'm going to be able you know to just hit that 303. If someone or, out there is interested, my cell phone number is 226-347-6911, and I always answer. It doesn't get more engaging than that to have the cell number of the CEO. Let's take a moment and talk about the training that call agents receive. Yep. I would assume that the training goes a little bit beyond, this is a phone, you know what it is, start talking. Right. So t tell us more about what, if, if I'm your client, what can I expect with regards to the, the sure. caliber of individual yep. that you hire and so the first step is they have to do a voice assessment with our HR department. So we have a generic script and we're looking for inflection. We're looking for enthusiasm, articulation, being able to pronounce words like hors d'oeuvres. 
um, and smiling through it. And if it sounds like it's up to our caliber, then our HR department will bring them in for an interview. During that time, they do with standard aptitude testing, reading, writing, they check references, they make sure they're bondable. We have over 95 computers and 95 phones on our call center floor, so they have to be bondable. Um, once they do that, they come in for orientation. We go through all of our company policy and procedures. Um, and we put them in a demo site. So before they even make their first live phone call, they're making fictitious phone calls. They're listening to recordings of phone calls to find out how they should disposition is what we call it or code the outcome of that phone call. Then we start putting them on actual live phone calls. They will sit with another seasoned caller to listen to their level of enthusiasm. As well, they will sit with a team lead and the team lead will sit with them while they make their first handful of phone calls. Depending on what state it is, in all but 11 states, we can record the phone call. So a team lead will listen in on a recorded call to make sure that the level of enthusiasm is there. We do this for every single caller two to three times a day. Though what we tell people is um, our mentality at our company is um, it's threefold. One, if you were the customer receiving the call, how would you want to be treated? If you were the jewelry store owner or the retailer, how would you want your customers to be treated? And if you were a family member and at our office, everyone is a family member. Um, if you were a family member and this was your name and your reputation, how would you want to best represent the company? So I hear a lot of sensory concepts when you talk about your training, when you talk about the inflection and the ability to pronounce words and the enthusiasm and the brightness, I guess, of their, the tone of their voice. They have to be excited because they have to engage the customer and want the customer to be excited to come in. Do you ever get, I guess you talked about the hiring process kind of weeding some of that out, but mm-hmm. do you ever get people that end up kind of sounding flat or bland we do and can you hurt them up or how does that what we try and do um it happens more i say not to be discriminatory but it happens more with men just because i don't think the octaves are there to get that level of excitement that a female voice has so what we'll do is one of our team leads will ask them, you know, are you married or do you have children? And their face lights up when they talk about it and their voice changes. And so we'll say to them, that's the kind of level of enthusiasm that we want to hear when you're reading that script to the customer over the phone. You have to imagine that you're talking about something that is equally exciting to you as it is to them and that you're face to face with them. So that sounds like almost a lot of training like actors probably do when they have to we have imagine, a few actors that work for us. Oh, okay, so acting is a, a good profession for that. Anything else you'd like to share with our listeners that you think might be of interest? Do you have any other stories? Yes. One that comes to mind is very heartfelt, and we use it as an example all the time about what can happen, how you can turn a customer around with a live phone call. We have a caller, she's been with me for about five years and she was getting married and she was engaged and she was very excited to be on a campaign where she was calling customers who had bought an engagement ring and we were inviting them into the store to book an appointment with a designer for their wedding band. And she called a gentleman who ended up having her on the phone for over 10 minutes. By the end of it, they were both in tears. And she came to find me afterwards and told me that while she was on the phone, he confessed to her that his fiance had left him for his best man. 
um, had given the ring back and he was still making payments on it. So no, he didn't think he'd be coming in for the wedding band event. She was obviously very upset because she was soon to be married. And so they, you know, had a few moments together where they commiserated on what a horrible experience it must have been for him. And if there was anything that she could do, could she have someone, she mentioned that she was calling from the marketing department. Could she have anyone from the store call him? And he said, no. And that was the end of the conversation. And she felt the need to tell me because as I said, we always keep our, the mindset of how would we want our customers treated if we own the jewelry store. So she felt it was something that the jewelry store should be made aware of. So I picked up the phone, I called the jeweler and I let him know what was going on and that the customer really didn't want to be called about it. I'm sure he was embarrassed about the situation. They actually ended up calling him regardless. And they said to him, we understand what happened, that our marketing department called you about the bridal band. If you'd like to bring the engagement ring in, we'll buy it and sell it on consignment. And it turns out a couple weeks later, they told me that they sold the ring. And he bought a watch and um, he's still a customer years later. So that is definitely something that they would never have known had we not spoken to him. And he got just the right caller at just the right time. Heidi, one of the things I like to do with all my guests is ask a fun question, completely off topic. Okay. And so the topic would be because you're here in Las Vegas, I would like to ask you, who is an entertainer, living or dead? that you would love to go see in a Las Vegas showroom? Any entertainer, living or dead, that you would like to see in a Las Vegas showroom? I would have to say it would be Queen. I just finished watching Bohemian Rhapsody the other night, and there was a lot about Freddie Mercury that I wasn't aware of, how lonely he was, and but what an entertainer it was. When you look back on videos of concert clips, he was definitely somebody who would have put on a very good show. And finally, that brings us to the part of the show called That Makes Sense to Me. And that's where I ask all of my guests to share a couple of tips or pointers or or to share some strategies that you think our listeners should be doing in order to maximize their success, their sensory experiences with customers? Um, First and foremost, use people's names. It's very important because it belongs to them and it's important to them. So it makes them realize if you're using their name, Wes, that they remember that you're important to them. The other thing is to not ever cut them off. In my opinion, if I'm talking to someone and they're interrupting me, then they're hearing me, but they're not really listening. And that means that if it's a sales opportunity for them, they're not listening to my pain points. They're talking over me. I would say slow down and really listen versus hear what your customer has to say. I love that advice. I kind of gave you my strategy for how I remember names in a training class. Can you provide any tips of how you remember people's names? I'll tell you, I can't tell you how many times when I'm out and I'm interacting with people and they'll tell me their name and five seconds later, I don't remember their name. So I have a unique way. Yes. So I've been doing jigsaw puzzles since I was two. I have somewhat of a photographic memory. I can remember area codes for customers and what city and state certain people are in. And names for me are either three, four, five, or plus five. So I know that you are three letters, it's Wes. I know that Anne is three letters, it's Anne. I know that, so if I can't remember someone's name, they're either a John, a Todd, a Jeff, or it's Brian. 
it's either a, a set of three, a set of four, a set of five, or someone like Isabel, Stephanie, Joanna, they're more than five. And so I just anchor the number of letters and something about where and how I met them. And then for instance, you, your email, it says Wes Miller. And so in my mind, I remember Miller because there's two L's and it's Wes is three letters. And so whenever I have to recollect your contact information, I look at your signature and your email. It's not necessarily something that someone else can do. It's just something because I've been doing jigsaw puzzles for so many years, I now do 8,000, 18,000 piece jigsaw puzzles that are six feet by nine feet large that I have that photographic. I can remember a little piece of something and then it's forever embedded in my mind if it's important to me. And then I can be 6,000 puzzle pieces in and remember, oh yeah, that goes over there. So I anchor things that way. And there you have it. Some great tips and pointers on remember people's names, listen, don't cut them off, and even some ideas for how you might anchor those names in your mind. Heidi, this has been a sensational interview. I have really enjoyed it. I know our, our listeners out there will probably enjoy it as well. This has been another episode of Sensational Customer Experiences. My guest was Heidi Kaufman with TK Enterprises. Give us that phone number one more time. It's 877-622-0195. With that, I'm going to close off the show and remind you that when you can sense it, your customer can sense it too. This is Wes. Bye-bye. For free tips, resources, and information, visit SensationalCustomerExperiences.com, your premier experience brand brought to you by Training for Results, located in the sensory capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada. Until next time, remember, if you can sense it, your customers can too.